All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow. It has been a while since I've recorded, and it always feels different when I come back after a while of recording. But again, it was just spring break, which I'll ask you, my guest, about their spring break in a second. And two quick things before I start. Um, It is finally time that I'm going to release more merch. People have been asking for me to sell more merch ever since they saw the stuff in the fall. So this episode is going to come out. Actually, we are recording on Friday, March 18th. So the merch will be out on Monday, March 21st. So that is the first housekeeping item. Secondly, um, the team that I have, Theo, David, Ezra, they do a lot of really good work with the YouTube and the TikTok and all that fun stuff. And so just go watch the good content that they're putting out. They're putting in a lot of effort into it. And it's just, it, would be, it would be nice to see their work get some more appreciation. So those are the two quick housekeeping items. Um, and now to my guest who I just have to note is the first person that I have had to beg to come on this podcast, <laughs> literally beg, sent multiple text messages, got Gabby to reach out or told her to reach out to you. She said she would next time she saw you. And I finally had to run up on you at Dylan Jim just to make sure you would come on. But with all that being said, my friend Keith Register is here. Welcome to the show, Keith. Yeah, thank you for having me, Flo. Of course. And we right before we started, you were saying how you don't really listen to podcasts. Could you, could you, and you don't, <clears throat> you made sure to tell me you don't listen to my podcast, which again, I'll speak on that in a second. But why, why do you feel like you don't have the time to listen to podcasts? Um, I think podcasts as a form of media is um, maybe, in my opinion, not enough to serve as like a whole form of entertainment. I think if you're listening to a podcast, you're probably doing something else at least. Like I know most people who listen to podcasts are like usually do it when they're commuting or, when they're doing some other menial tasks that doesn't really require like full attention. I don't know if I'm the type of person who could just like sit in a chair and listen to a podcast for an hour and not do anything else. Like, I don't know how, what you think about that? I mean, I, that, that, that is a good point, but I found that. So for me, I actually like to watch most of my podcasts, which doesn't make sense, but this is one reason that I actually wanted to start the YouTube. So I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, and I think when you sit and you watch, if you're just listening to the audio and not watching, you miss a lot of the visual cues mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff that actually adds to the quality of the content. And so that's why I like to actually, so I actually do find the time every week. My favorite podcast is called The Brilliant Idiots. You can see I got the sticker right here. Okay. And I find the time every week to sit for an hour and a half to two hours to watch the episodes. But as far as the content that I don't watch, just like walking up, going about my day, I do find that if it's a 20-minute walk that I have to class or Mm -hmm. just a little bit of a break in time, I do like the little bit of audio stimulation like when I don't want to listen to music. Mm -hmm. And so I actually don't find it too hard to listen to podcasts. So, yeah, but I've I've heard that from from a bunch of people. They they feel like they don't have the time or they kind of like you said, they do it while doing something else and then it does really take the priority so then why are they listening to it but Mm -hmm. then also another quick thing because you said you don't listen to the podcast which i take zero offense to because (laughs) most of my friends don't listen to the podcast and kind of like i just said beforehand uh it that makes the most sense because they talk to me more than everybody else and so they're like if we're talking to you all the time i don't need to sit for an hour and listen to you Mm -hmm. every single week and so it makes sense that <clears throat> it's people who I don't interact with ever who will come up to me and be like, oh, I like the podcast. I'm like, okay, thank mm-hmm. you. So, yeah, just wanted to get that out of the way. But this is our first week post-spring break. How was, how was your break? It was good. Um, this was the first spring break that I really went on an extended trip with friends from college. Okay, what'd you do? Um, so we went to Vegas for a couple of days. Dumped. Um and Did some gambling, saw a couple shows. Um and then we drove up to Zion and Bryce National Park, uh, where we did a lot of hiking. And, uh, you know, it's a really beautiful place. So just looking at the nature and stuff. And then we drove down to L.A. for a couple of days where I would describe my experience mostly as like eating food and then waiting to eat more food. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that seems to be what most people do in L.A. Um and the traffic was horrible. But. Yeah, I've only I've only been to LA one time. I went before junior of high school, I believe, and I found it to be so overrated. And all I remember from it was the traffic. For for whatever reason, I didn't realize it would be as big as it was. I know. In my mind, I think every city is like New York City. Yeah. So you can just like subway everybody. It's it's massive. Like it took us as long to drive from one side of LA to the other as it took us to drive from Vegas to Zion National Park. Like 
it is massive. Yeah, massive, yeah. lots of highways and lots of traffic. So didn't love it as much. I've heard there's other better parts of California. Mm-hmm. I want to visit San Diego, San Francisco. I've heard those are nicer. But for me, LA, I was like, I don't, I don't understand the hype. I don't think I ever mm-hmm. will. But it is what it is. But also, I like the fact that your break was uh, sounds like it was a good mix of like wholesome stuff and yeah. probably not so wholesome stuff. Yeah. Like, I imagine in Vegas you're not doing the most wholesome stuff, <laughs> but then when you're at the national parks, you're observing beauty and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So wait, so when to when did you do that? Because that sounds like a two week activity, but you, right. you you fit that in a week. Yeah, well, uh, none of us have class on Friday, so we were able to fly out Friday morning. Um, ah, that's why you couldn't record the podcast yes, then. <laughs> yes. um, so then it was just uh, two days in Vegas, three days in Zion and Bryce, and then two more days in L.A., and then we flew back. So um, I think we got back on Saturday uh, right before uh, classes started. So, yeah, it was really jam-packed. Like, um, definitely um, I didn't come back to school feeling as, like, refreshed because I had spent <laughs> the last week running around doing, like, all these things in all these different places. And so that was a big shift, but, um, you know, super memorable. Of course I'd do it again a million times over. So exactly. And that's the thing. It is our senior year spring break. So I definitely think it, it will be worth it in the long run. You remember the stories and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause I was, I went to Miami with a group of uh, five other people and very similarly to you, First, actually, not too similar. wasn't very wholesome. Just a lot of debauchery. It's mm-hmm. it's Miami. You, yeah, you, you have your Miami fun. It was a yeah. very, very, very fun trip, but not a lot of re- relaxing. Flight back landed at like twelve thirty a.m. on Saturday morning. So mm-hmm. then it was it was such a shit show. We ran to catch a train. Just missed the train. We tried mm-hmm. to get back to. We wanted to Uber, and so we looked at the Uber prices at um, Newark. Uh, at the train station, yeah. it was a certain price. We like have to get back in the airport to go to the terminal to call the Uber. By the time we get there, the price had basically doubled. Oh. But we were just so frustrated at that point. We're like, fuck it. Yeah. Like, let's just get this trip over with and get back. Because yeah, it was very it was it was tiring. Mm-hmm. Way too much money spent. But again, it was Miami. That's exactly exactly what we expected. Yeah. Gotta live it up. Exactly. Um, and now we're back on campus, and this is the first full week that we have had without the masks being mandatory mm-hmm. how yes. is it how has this week felt for you um pretty different i'd say i mean for sure like life is just a little bit easier when you don't have to worry about masks and you know do i have it on me what spaces do i need it on me um worrying about all of that particularly in dylan yeah you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have your boss on my ass anymore you know, whoa, whoa. And, and harassing me in the gym we love dylan gym <laughs> yeah uh, I think, like, for the first couple of days, I say it was pretty jarring, like, seeing everyone without their masks on, like, um, seeing people I had never seen without a mask on for the first time. That was, like, they and they never look like what you expect exactly. them to look like. Exactly. Yeah. That is the crazy part. Because you don't realize, a mask takes up, like, two-thirds of your face. Yeah. And every single one of us, it's just like a brain thing. You're going to fill in mentally what you think somebody looks like. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people I saw this week, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. That is not at all what I expected you to look like. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to finally see everyone. Yeah. And one of my professors, he was like, wow, I didn't realize you guys were such a good-looking group. We're like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say, I, like, for the first couple of days, I felt, like, a little naked, like, without the mask on, like, in the gym. I'm like, oh shit, like I can't be making all these weird faces anymore. Like I gotta, you know, keep it together. But yeah, I mean, just as quickly as masks became the norm, I think no masks will become the norm as well. So I agree. And I am I very much so like that it's it's at a happy medium where I first of all, I think the 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 I don't know what to call it, like the campaign, the promotion that the university's been doing, it's like mask optionals but be compassionate Mm -hmm. i don't know if they thought that people would just like start bullying people (laughs) who were wearing masks like i don't know what the reason for that messaging is but it's just it's just kind of funny but then you do still see that at least in uh in one of my classes in particular half the people wear masks half the people don't wear masks perfectly fine happy medium Mm -hmm. it should be that whichever you want to do you should get to do don't force anyone to do either Mm -hmm. and again i think this is where it's going to be like where some people, for the long run, are going to want to keep wearing masks. And if they do, God bless them. And if you don't, also more power to you. Yeah. It was just very annoying for for a certain period of time where it felt like a lot of people didn't want the masks anymore. And then they still had to be in place. But now I think we're finally at a place where 
everyone is happy to just again exist how they want to and i agree it felt like for me walking into my first lecture without a mask first precept without a mask i was like this for the first time feels like Mm pre-pandemic which felt great because for a long time it didn't seem like we would ever be able to get to the point again yeah so very exciting and yeah dylan jim being able to play basketball and Mm -hmm. again i work at dylan i get it i've i used to get the orders to tell people to put their masks on (laughs) but then i would also play basketball that with like my mask on my chin because i i it it was tough it was hard but i'm glad that i don't have to be in that awkward position Mm -hmm. anymore (laughs) i don't i don't think it's physically possible to play uh pick up basketball with the mask on like it's oh, a I, very I, cardio intensive sport. I agree. Your mask could get waterlogged, and then you really can't breathe out of it. Like no, I agree. I yeah. agree. Running up and down the court, it didn't make any sense. But again, we had to deal with the measures at the time. But thankfully, those are no longer in place, and we can we can all move mm-hmm. on with our lives. Um, but okay, actually, we we kind of jumped the gun a little bit because the way I usually start the podcast in like the first minute is by asking my guests to introduce themselves, tell me where they're from anything they do around campus, and then any other general introduction that they would want the people to know. But we just got so excited. We already mm-hmm. did 10 minutes before we got here. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I grew up in West Windsor. I went to the same middle school and high school as Flo, so yeah. that's how I uh, got to know him at first. Um, yeah, came here to Princeton. Um, nowadays, I'd say most of my free time is spent playing basketball and volleyball with the club teams here at Princeton. I used to be uh, pretty active in club soccer, but I would say I'm retired now, much like you. Me too. We were, yeah, yeah, we were retired together. Yeah. Went out on uh, like our senior game and never came back. I got hurt in that game halftime. Oh. My shoulder. My, that actually just healed. Remember that? Remember how? Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Remember yeah, yeah. I couldn't even bench the bar for like two months. Right. That yes. was bad, but we're back. Okay. We're back. I'm we're glad good. to hear it. Yeah, we're good. Um, but yeah, um, mostly just playing basketball and volleyball. Um, Lifting occasionally and not occasionally. This man lives in the gym. <laughs> Bullshit. He lives in the gym. Um, but yeah, that's about it. That's what I spend most of my free time like doing structured activities with. Otherwise, it's just like hanging out with friends, etc. Yeah. And you're a coast major. Yes, co- a computer science major. Um, though I'm not taking any computer science classes this semester and have been pretty checked out uh, in that regard for a while. Um, but yes. Um, Excited to, I'm going to be working as a software engineer post-grad, so um, using, if, if you think that I can use computer science knowledge I learned here, maybe maybe it's not relevant at all, <laughs> who knows. I would uh, hope it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think much of it is, honestly. In- like, really? Yeah. Okay. That, I wait, think. Okay, yeah, speak more on that, because I would think that was one of the fields where I was like, okay, if you want to work in software engineering, something like computer science makes sense, and I always thought that there were some majors where it made sense and that the stuff that you learn here will be more applicable, so I'm interested that you don't think the computer science knowledge you have is going to be applicable in software engineering. I would say, um, for sure, you need to know how to code, obviously. You need to, uh, like 126, 226, like the intro computer science sequence is essential for understanding um you know, the basics of writing code, how different languages operate, and 226 gives you a good understanding of, like, algorithms and data structures, which are important for interviewing, because that's how most tech interviews are styled. But otherwise, like, I think most of the upper, like, information that I've learned in the upper-level course courses probably won't be that relevant to my job, um, because I think, um, you know, other than just general coding practice and working on style and stuff like that, like the actual information you learn, like I'm probably not going to be using computer vision in my job or like, you know, um, information security might be useful to know um, and like these foundational topics that you learn in the class, but what you might do in your job is like pretty abstracted from that and so might not be that useful. And let's go on this a little bit more because I also found it interesting so i'm going to finance and obviously neuroscience well that's one thing people always hear they're like you're a neuroscience major going into finance you're still neuroscience i'm still neuroscience because at a certain point i was in too deep and there was no turning back i couldn't really it would have made sense to switch out Mm -hmm. so yeah still neuroscience shout out to this thesis that is slowly but surely being being Mm -hmm. grinded away but people always hear neuroscience major going into finance how exactly does that work and it works because the job they know that everyone coming in doesn't really know shit and that mm-hmm. they're going to teach you everything on the job. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for more intangible skills like work ethic, people who are going to be willing to soak up as much knowledge as possible, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And so I am also very positive that, again, none of my upper-level neuroscience classes or much much of the stuff that I'm learning here yeah. is not going to be applicable. Mm-hmm. And so then when 
again, like two of us here, we have our jobs, pretty good jobs. We are getting our degrees in these pretty, not e- neuroscience, computer science, not easy majors at all. And so that when I hear these things, it just makes me think of why, if this is the best, I don't know, like educational structure per se, <laughs> if we're going to be okay after mm-hmm. the fact without having to do all this work. And it, I, I don't know how many people, unless you're like, I was going to say unless you're pre-med, which I don't even think is the case either. Because my mm-hmm. brother, he's in his last year of medical school. Shout out to him. He's about to get matched his residency at 12 noon today. Oh, wow. Um, so big day for him. But I asked him how much physics he uses. Zero. How much orgo he uses. Essentially zero. And mm-hmm. so I don't understand. Like for basically every track, it seems like the stuff that you have to do beforehand is just not very necessary for the following steps. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how we need to revamp all of education, but... Mm-hmm. Well, I think the argument against that is that Princeton offers like a liberal arts education that can make you a like a more well-rounded uh, intellectual. I know. I mean, I don't really. Agree with that. <laughs> I don't think that's that important. But I would say that is what um, Princeton would it's say old, to that yeah. argument. Um, for sure, there's like if you view college as like preparing you to get a job, like I think ninety percent of what you do in college is probably not going to be useful to that end. Like. Really, you just need a small subset of, like, these skills that you use to pass the interview, and then you have a job. So, like, you know, most of what you do here is not going to be that relevant to that. And actually, I I think that the most, most of the stuff that we learn here that's going to help us in the future is outside the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's the studying for exams or sitting in lecture or any of that nonsense. I actually think it's the more smaller things, like learning how to... Uh, network is always a funny word people have a look at it in whatever way but learning mm-hmm. to learning to navigate a certain environment where you're mm-hmm. going around meeting as many people as possible forming relationships building these connections that are going to last a lifetime mm-hmm. learning how to just you know um just learn a little bit of uh what's the word i'm looking for uh like your emotional intelligence i think that's mm-hmm. one thing that you can really work on here and knowing when to yeah. leave people alone when to go interact with them mm-hmm. these are the little skills that i think actually help you in the long run when you're interviewing um even and it's even for something as simple as like communication skills i don't really think i learned like being in the classroom hasn't really helped me that much mm-hmm. i don't remember i have probably done less than five presentations all of princeton Mm. very very few mm-hmm. and doing this podcast and just speaking to people has definitely helped my conversational skills and my yeah. presentational skills a lot more than anything that i've done beforehand mm-hmm. so i don't know it's just always very interesting because again we're a few months away from the degree very happy that we're going to be getting it <laughs> but it's just like how much of the stuff that we're doing here is that useful mm-hmm. i don't know yeah maybe not maybe not a lot of the structured academics that we have here but like you're saying like um princeton and all other colleges provide you with a great environment to learn all of these soft skills that you're talking about. Like you learn how to communicate with different types of people who may respond better to different communication styles and like all of that kind of stuff. And all of that is crucial in whatever career you're going into because, you know, even in tech when it's supposed to be like the super nerdy meritocracy, like you just write code, like still being able to talk to people, uh, explain what you're doing, all of that stuff is way more useful than any sort of, um, additional computer science knowledge you might gain in your academic curricula. Like, it's essential. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I'm going to know your answer to this, but how important do you think something like a GPA is to determine, <laughs> to determine future success? <laughs> well, I know a lot of people who have gotten jobs at amazing tech companies that don't have their GPA on their resume. So I would say, for you, in investment banking, I know it's a little more important. Like, they... I was... No, no, no. First of all, I'm not doing investment banking. I'm working at a bank, but doing sales and trading. And I will also say that my GPA was not what was the minimum required, and mm. I still got the job. So okay. I actually don't think... It, I don't think in any of these fields it matters as yeah. much as they say it should. So mm. just, I don't know, just a little bit of a nugget right there. Maybe you, if you're going to med school, it matters. But otherwise, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They care if you can pass the hiring bar. And so exactly. if you can do well in the interview... I'll give you a job. Exactly. And another thing that I'll say is that Bicker especially mm. is, I always say this, super days have nothing on Bicker. Bicker prepares people yeah. for their super days because the amount of conversations in one day, trying to get into whatever organization, mm-hmm. Bicker 
preps you very well for that mm -hmm. very well yeah for that. i would agree for sure rigor is probably one of the most strenuous social exercises i've ever been through in my life yeah um, <laughs> and so i don't know if anything else will compare really compared to exactly. that yeah yeah like once you do go through that you're ready you know yeah um okay so again love when we go off on these little tangents i don't even know how we got there but gonna reel it all the way back because like you said we went to middle school together and high school together we live 10 minutes away from here which people always ask how do you like going to school 10 minutes away mm -hmm. that's a question i'll ask you soon but starting in middle school so you said that you were so i played basketball seventh mm -hmm. and eighth grade yes you said that you played seventh grade <clears throat> and then you didn't make the team eighth grade right well um i guess my excuse for that would be that i had broken my arm the summer before and ah, so i hadn't God. played any basketball I would agree with the decision to cut me. I think I probably wasn't <laughs> like good enough to make the team at the time. Um, and of course, it was like uh, pretty shocking to me as like an eighth grader. I mean, of course, when you make it in seventh grade, you're like, oh, you're so you're, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be on the team this year. Um, and so I think that was a pretty important, humbling experience for me. Like it made me realize that maybe I wasn't all that. Like I wasn't really that good. And there's a lot of parts of my game that I needed to work on. Um but yeah, and then I think I played rec basketball that year, and my dominated. mom coached me. My mom coached me. Shout out, mom. Um, we love Mrs. Register. Yes, of course. <laughs> and so, I mean, I still enjoyed playing basketball that year, and um, I, it didn't make me lose any love for the sport, that's for sure. I would still say basketball is my favorite sport to play. Um, it's just, you know, I've played many other sports, and none other uh, I can say are really as exciting or as captivating as basketball. Like, Sometimes I'll play basketball, I'll play pickup basketball, and I'll go to sleep. I'll, like, run through plays that happened in my head. Like, okay, LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but, like, I really – I love the sport. I think it's amazing. There's so many things you can do, so many different ways you can play the sport. Like, um, you really can see how each person's personality comes out in the way that they play and how they want to approach the game. Um, yeah, I think it's beautiful. How would you describe my personality playing the game of basketball? <laughs> All I remember from high school is you sit on the block and get the easy putback. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> the slander, the absolute. Nah, this is not true. First of all, worked a little bit harder than that. I mean, I played, we all played, first of all, our high school, no one was above like six foot tall. You're like, what, six two? You're probably like the tallest in the entire school. So every system we played was five out, all guards. So first of all, if you were taller than me, how come, how was I getting the dump offs? This is, this is slander. I mm. won't, I won't accept it. Yeah. Well, I think you did. A, I mean, I'm not saying this as slender. I was saying you did a good job of positioning yourself at open spots on the court that will allow you to get easy buckets. And also, I would say you were probably the best or one of the best players when we were seniors. Like Agreed. at that time, um, definitely. I think you averaged the most points. I uh, did. You know, yeah. Put it on the I'm record. You up yes, I did. Podcast. Please <laughs> do. Yes, I did. Yeah. And I would just like to add the fact that I averaged the most points and took made two jump shots i believe the entire season really? because oh, okay. i knew my game <laughs> knowing your game is important some people say this whole like growth fixed mindset nonsense no <laughs> i could have been in the gym the whole time trying to get my jump shot better no mm -hmm. i knew i could get to the bucket dish it do what mm -hmm. i needed to play to so, your strengths play to my strengths yeah. and that's exactly what i did yeah. and so that is why i averaged the most points while making two jump shots the whole year which i like to think is a pretty pretty significant yeah, accomplishment. that's very impressive yeah thank you um so the reason i brought up middle school so Made the team seventh grade, don't make it eighth grade. And kind of like you just said, we played all together um, throughout high school. When did you make varsity? Was that junior or senior year? Um, I think my junior year I was playing JV, and then I would, like, sit the bench on varsity and maybe come in if we were getting blown out by a margin that was, like, the game had already been decided by. Um, okay, okay. But then my senior year, yeah, that's when I really started playing. Um, I think for me, like, I was pretty short, all of high school and then like I just kept growing and so then I was only really tall my senior year and so it was pretty difficult for me to I think play at the varsity level if I was shorter than everyone else because I would say I wasn't like super crafty or like all all skilled and everything like that to beat the larger players but once I got to be like six feet and so I was able to like match up or even be taller than the person I was guarding then it became a little easier for me and that's when I could like start on varsity my ah, senior year. so it was just the height then because I actually have this question down I was like the summer after junior year I don't know what the fuck kind of transformation you had <laughs> but when I tell you Keith Register junior year and beforehand 
Again, skinny little lanky kid, couldn't really do nothing. Mm-hmm. Man comes back senior year. When I tell you he's catching dunks like I've never seen before, <laughs> I'm like, how did you all of a sudden learn how to fly? So it was just the height. Mm-hmm. And then you, you had some sort of like athletic spurt. I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah. It wasn't just a growth spurt. You became significantly more athletic. And I was like, how is this man dunking right mm-hmm. now? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how that happened. I wouldn't, I don't have like any secret workout tips or anything no like steroids, that. No steroids, no nothing. No, no, not steroids. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I mean, I always have been able to jump pretty high. So then I think like adding the extra couple inches in height and then it probably also in wingspan uh, helped there. And then I think like once I stopped growing, then the, my body was able to like put on a little more muscle like, like that. So yeah, um, when you're when you're constantly growing as a kid, I feel like you're always a little. Uh, your body is like always getting used to its new size as you're growing, and so then you can be a little more uncoordinated at times. Like your body struggles to really develop the right mechanics for all of these kind of movements that you're doing because the mechanics always need to change as you're growing. Um, and so yeah, once I grew and then I stopped growing, that's when I think I really. Uh, Became a much better athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. And I even remember our rival game, North versus South. That <laughs> one, out of nowhere, the man drives baseline, goes up for this insane dunk attempt that you probably should have made that. But I was like, it, I remember stopping in the middle of the game and looking into the crowd and like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, what is going on here? West Windsor basketball games are not supposed to be having dunk attempts like this. So, yeah, insanity. And then we also played um, soccer together. Mm-hmm. Which do you think that you were better at? Right, so I think um, in high school I was better at soccer for sure um, I, I, because, I agree. <laughs> um, like, <clears throat> soccer I found so I was I was center back and so you have a pretty specific role as a center back um, uh, and so I think I was able to fulfill that role pretty effectively, especially in uh, high school American soccer <laughs> because then it's like a lot of. Uh, it's not great soccer. Like people will it's just play no. lots of long balls over the top. There's not much like nice passing through the midfield, and so that suited me as a defender because I could just go up and head the ball a bunch or just make occasionally like hard tackles. Um, and so like for me, that role as a center back was pretty easy to fulfill and like figure out, especially because I had been playing soccer for like many years at that point. Now, I mean, I think basketball because. Um, you have to play defense and offense, whereas compared to playing center back in soccer, you kind of just uh, just play defense. I think just now I'm starting to scratch the surface of like what it means to be a complete basketball player. Like uh, I still feel like there's so much more for me to learn about the game. Um, and so like at that time in high school, like I was much better at soccer because I was able to be a pretty complete center back um, at that time. Now it's like, now, I mean, I don't play soccer anymore, so I'm definitely much better at basketball, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and so Keith and I were actually, we were both center backs. We were the mm, starting yeah. center back partnership senior year, and I didn't play soccer f- freshman through junior year, yes. and then tried out, made the team, started center back with Keith, mm-hmm. and you were essentially my coach. <laughs> taught him everything he knows. Ta- I and I will I will agree to that fact. You <laughs> taught me everything that I knew because again, it had been such a long gap since I played and then I oh, whoops, sat next to you and that was just a partnership that worked so well. And it's funny that you say the heading thing because I remember specifically how much I hated heading the ball. <laughs> so anytime the ball would come, I just be like, Keith, that's all you <laughs> go get it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not heading the ball. And so kind of like you said, um we center back partnership in high school made the county finals lost to pennington which they get to recruit kids mm-hmm. and do all that yeah that nonsense. wasn't fair because we're the we need like a two goal handicap or yeah, something. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And we're the real winners in my eyes <laughs> and then fast forward to just a few months back we were able to reunite for one one last final mm-hmm. time yeah. club soccer um um like senior send-off game mm-hmm. which was fun but okay so now we've transitioned to college and for, actually, no. First question: Would you say that we were better friends in college or high school? High school or college? Um, well, we probably spent a lot more time together in high school. I would say because we were playing both soccer and basketball together. I think um, we definitely have different social circles here at Princeton, so I definitely don't see you as much. Um, but yeah, I'd say we were better friends in high school. Really? Is that is that sad? That is, I because I see it as the opposite. Okay. Because even though we are 
in different circles here. We were also in different circles in high school. That's true. But again, I mean, yeah, we played sports together, but not everyone you play sports with is 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 a friend. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Mm-hmm. And although we're in different circles, I would say that just the quality of our interactions, I think, have been higher. Okay, I'm and glad. I consider. I'm sure I was a little annoying in high school. I'm sure I was a little bit annoying <laughs> in high school too. I'm sure I'm. I'm still. I'm. I'm still a little bit annoying. So yes, I feel like the quality of our interactions has increased, and I consider you a better friend now. Okay, thank which, you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just that's just what I it is. Appreciate that. Plan. And I remember freshman year, coming in, my little freshman self was just struggling, you know, getting by, coastal mm-hmm. twenty six, all these hard classes, mm-hmm. and I remember you, Keith Register, club <laughs> soccer. I remember for some reason I found out you had all A's. You must have told me. You must have said that every t- every time I went to, every time I went to the oh, gym, man was in the gym. How was your Princeton transition so seamless, sir? Mm. Yeah, I know. Well, it's hard to say. Like my usual answer for this is that it's because I went to a good high school and then that prepared me for it. Bullshit! Went I went to the same, same high school. school me, did so not I prepare guess, me. I guess yeah. that excuse doesn't work here. Nope. Um, <laughs> I think, like, actually my transition was easier because I got to skip chem and physics and math uh, here at Princeton, which I know are the huge killer classes for first-year students. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure if you didn't have to take those, your time would have been way easier at Princeton. Maybe. Um, this is actually funny. Like, I'm going to graduate with a bachelor's in computer science, and I've never taken a lab class at Princeton. Wow. Yeah. Don't you have to take a labs in that requirement? Uh, it's, I think it's fulfilled by, uh, my placing out oh, of when chemistry you place and out physics. Of car- yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. That's Shout the out to the code. computer science cl- uh, curriculum at Princeton. No thesis either. No. Um, <laughs> How, are you in four or five classes right now? Four. Jesus. I hate you so yeah. much. I yeah. actually hate you so much. Yeah. I mean, um, speaking to my transition, like I think. It's really hard for me to say because, um, I mean, for sure it was not seamless. Like, there were times when I was super stressed out. Like, I was working until late in the night. And so, um, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Like, there were difficult times, and I'm not going to say that it wasn't um, difficult at times. Um, But I really do think that taking the classes I did at South helped prepare me for the rigor at Princeton. Um, There are classes at Princeton where... I've taken them and it's been like, oh, wow, they really expect a deeper level of understanding than I've been used to. So I'm not going to say it was like um, South had totally prepared me for what kind of classes there were here at Princeton. But I would say that taking a lot of difficult classes in high school prepared me for like practicing blocking off my time and like prioritizing which assignments are important. Um, Also, like figuring out how to... um, make the right friends in the classes that I'm in so that I can work on the problem sets with them and study with them. Because really, I do think if you try to go at all your classes alone at Princeton, you're probably going to end up screwed. Yep. Like you need to, you need to uh, meet the right people and get the right kind of help from them. And I mean, Princeton's great in that, like there are so many smart people here, um, which can help you with that. And then also Princeton provides you with so many great resources as well, like McGraw and all those other kind of studying resources. Um, so really, you're not on your own here, um, and take advantage of what's given to you because really, they Princeton is trying to help you out. I know it may not seem like that at times, but really, they want you to succeed. And a few things that you said, which again, when I said that you, it was such a seamless transition, that I was, I was just being a little bit gratuitous because mm-hmm. again, I know it's not easy for anyone. Every like it from the outside looking in, it appears seamless, but I'm sure you had whatever little minor struggles like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few other things that you said. Um, at South, I don't think I, I don't even, I don't, not that I think, I know, I didn't take as hard of classes as I could have. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like doing AP every single thing, mm-hmm. which is why I couldn't place out of anything, which is why, again, had to do those classes at Princeton, which made the transition that much more, that much harder. Um, and then I guess that's just a testament to you working hard earlier, so you didn't have to work that hard, much mm-hmm. harder later, whereas I didn't work that hard beforehand, and so I had to work a little bit harder when I get here, so... Maybe that's just a little piece of advice. If you want to have it be a little bit easier when you get mm-hmm. here, maybe take all the AP everythings in high school. Honestly, <laughs> or not, you don't have to. Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> hey, we're both graduating. We that's, both got jobs. Like, you, it all worked out at the end. You're right. That's yeah. the thing. Everyone is running their own race. And then also speaking to the fact that you can't do anything by yourself here, 
that is something that it took me probably like halfway through second semester to realize yeah because high school was yes. easy mm-hmm. like it was easy like i'm not even gonna like high school was easy mm-hmm. did everything by myself it wasn't hard to like do all your assignments so i could go out and, no, i was gonna say go out and play <laughs> like i'm in middle mm-hmm. school but just again finish your assignments so you could go do whatever else that you needed to do and i came into princeton with that exact same mindset where it's like okay this will be a cakewalk i'll be able to do everything by myself mm-hmm. i don't need any extra resources and boy was i wrong and the way i was humbled my freshman year it was it was again that's it it was humbling happening yeah. experience taught mm-hmm. me that again can't do anything by yourself Use all the resources that you have here. Because I agree with what you said. I do think Princeton wants you to succeed. Mm-hmm. Academically, I think all the resources are in place for that. Office hours, McGraw, mm-hmm. Writing Center. Name it, it's there. And I think the resources are there for you to succeed. And I think that that is where some people might falter like I did. Is they, one, maybe because they went to a high school where they could do it all by themselves. So they don't use it. Or two, maybe they're just not aware that it's there. Mm-hmm. But those resources are fully there and fully should be taken advantage of because that'll just make your time here that much easier mm-hmm. from from day one. Because it doesn't make sense to wait until the end of your freshman year when maybe your GPA is in the gutter like mine was <laughs> to then learn that you need to do things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Academic transition, it, it, it varies for everyone, but I think if people came in day one using all the resources at their disposal, then it wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. um, be too hard. But okay, so academic transition, we talked about that. Next, you are, at least once upon a time, you're on club soccer, club basketball, mm-hmm. club volleyball. How did you find the time? Well, um, I think at any given time, I wasn't really playing all three super actively. Like, I think... Um, Soccer has a season in the fall, and then they play some games in the spring, and then basketball and volleyball are kind of both in the spring. And so when I was on all three of them, like, I'm retired from soccer now, I'd say. <laughs> but, like, when I, I, I would play, I would play soccer pretty actively in, in the fall when we had games. And then once those would stop, I would pr- probably stop going to practices. And then if I was playing soccer pretty actively in the fall, I probably wouldn't be going to much basketball or volleyball. Um, you know, I always say, like, if you're on three club sports, but you only go to a third of the practices for each of them, then it's only like you're playing one club sport. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, like um, club sports are great in that like it's a pretty flexible commitment. Like really, um, there's no coaches or anything. So like if you have a tough week and you're like, sorry, man, like I got cl- I got class stuff to do. Like I can't make it to practice this week. No one's going to like bust your ass for it, really. Yeah. So um, club sports are a flexible commitment in that sense. Um, and also like... Um, I just love playing sports and stuff. So, like, if you love something, I'm sure you'll find some uh, time in your day to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I was able to do that. I mean, I definitely could have been more active in all of them. And I think being in three of them definitely made me less active in all of them, if that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, like, just general, like, once you're done with classes for the day, I'll go work out some steam by going to practice and stuff. It, it, the club sports are usually scheduled such that they don't conflict with uh, much of your class uh, commitments because they want people to come to practice. And so I never found it too difficult to get to the practices that I really wanted to. Yeah, which which is fair. And again, something else that you say about club sports, which is very, very true and why I believe it is the perfect level of commitment. Because for me, um, also on club soccer, like we've said, was by far the most active my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Went to Ivy's and all that fun stuff. And then ever since then, it's just been like <laughs> a, dip yeah. in, a dip in the commitment. Yeah. It's like a running joke. But again, if I decided that I wanted to show up and go to everything, I could do that. Mm-hmm. When I want to take a step back, I can do that because it's just all student run. Yeah. No coach is going to yell at you to do whatever. No one's going to make me run laps. They try. You're not No, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not running. And so it is that perfect level of commitment where, again, varsity seems like such a time commitment. and all. I, yeah, I yeah don't, of course. I probably could if I needed to, but I don't want that level of extra mm-hmm. activity on top of work. Right. And then I am – they're a joke. Yeah, <laughs> I have yeah, a joke, yeah, but they're just yeah. fun to do. So club sports are just the very, very ideal mm-hmm. level. So yeah. again, th- we're just throwing out all these little nuggets. Play club sports, guys. Yeah. Use Princeton's resources. <laughs> do all these fun things. And when you, um, okay, so you basically, are you still active in club basketball? Yes. Yeah. Probably most active in basketball. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And volleyball, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I try to get to both practices, um, like 
both basketball and volleyball have two practices a week, and I'll try to make it to all four of them wow, each week. Um, uh, they're scheduled nicely. Like, uh, they're not on the same day, uh, so it's pretty easy for me to just block off that time in my calendar for Monday to Thursday. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty active in them. You basically live at Dylan Gym. Huh? <laughs> Between all the practices, all the working out, I swear every time I'm there, I see you there also. Yeah, I, probably, like... I probably spend more time at Dylan than I do working out my classes, including going to classes. So. <laughs> and so I can, that's why you're very, very happy that these mask mandates yes. are finally lifted. Yeah. <laughs> no more no more getting yelled at. But then also, oh, one thing that I meant to ask about beforehand, so your older brother also went to Princeton. Mm-hmm. Did that at all help in making the transition here a little bit easier? I'd say um, definitely it made it easier. Um, to the extent at which it made it easier, I'm not so sure. I mean, it was uh, he was in a different major than me, so there was not too much overlap in the classes that I took with him uh, that he took as well. But um, for those classes, like I could always shoot him a text and ask him, like, "Oh, hey, I'm thinking about taking this class. Like, did you take it? Was it difficult? What was the co- workload like?" Um, and so that was nice, um, but. <coughs> I've never been, uh, like, super close with my brother, and so, like, um, there was not too much communication about, like, what exactly his Princeton experience was like. And also, people make friends with upperclassmen here, too, and they can always pick their brains about um, what their Princeton experience was like. I'm sure when you were underclassmen, like, you met upperclassmen, and they were able to, like, sort of guide you through um, what they think is a good path through Princeton and stuff like that. And so... um, for me, it was a little easier having an older brother here who who did all of that. Um, but yeah, I would say like another nugget of advice is to make upperclassmen friends because they've been through it and they can really help guide you through um, what's an easy path through Princeton. Because I know if you go through it blind, uh, it's pretty likely you'll end up shooting yourself in the foot by taking like some combination of classes that will kick your ass or like signing up for extracurriculars that you find out you maybe really don't want to do or stuff like that. And um, I see a lot of people like talking about club sports commitment. Like I see a lot of people sign up for other extracurriculars that are quite a fixed commitment. And then they find like a semester or two semesters later, they're like, shit, like I don't want to do this anymore. Like um, all my time is dedicated to this thing that's like giving me stress or like unhappiness. And so, um, yeah, find upperclassmen friends. Uh, they're knowledgeable about um, what you should do here at Princeton. Um, uh, and it'll make it so much easier. I think you almost perfectly described what my freshman year was like. <laughs> Taking a schedule of classes that I definitely shouldn't have and doing activities and overextending myself when it came to activities. And even me, I was able to make upperclassmen friends but that takes a little bit of time yeah into like yeah. maybe a month or two in and then you're able to meet these people and then the relationship grows to the point where you're able to ask them these sorts of questions and i think at that point i was definitely definitely able to figure it out but i think having maybe like having a, an older sibling mm-hmm. who went here before you having that would help you in the months leading up to princeton and then that would set you off on the right foot because i think about Again, the schedule that I had freshman fall, which was just a bunch of STEM classes. And Mm -hmm. I remember when I went to switch out of engineering um, and you have to like speak to the dean of the engineering school. And he Mm -hmm. looked at my schedule and he was like, who advised you to take all these classes? (laughs) I was like, my PAA. Like, I don't don't know. I don't know. Nobody nobody told me not to. And that was the type of thing where because, again, you schedule like day one when you get here. And so you're not going to have those connections early enough to have people tell you what to do. The PAAs exist. Do they? I don't know how much they do. Shout out mm-hmm. to all the PAs. No, no disrespect. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much y'all do. Um, and so that didn't really assist me the way it needed to be. Whereas it would have been helpful to have, say, if you had an older sibling who's done it before, they would have yeah. looked at the schedule and been like, definitely don't take all those classes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you can fix for that because it would be great for everyone to right. know coming in so they don't have to make the mistakes and then have to try to rebound from it. Mm-hmm. And how do you fix that? I don't know. Listen to the podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone listen to Go With The Flow mm-hmm. so you can get these tips. But I don't know. Maybe just get – it. Would, are there any pre-orientation programs where you're with upperclassmen and you're just able to – ask for advice on stuff does anything like that exist if not maybe it should i'm not sure i mean talking about advising for classes princeton's solution right now is like the faculty advisors which um i've never found to be particularly useful i think because a lot of times um 
even if they're in your department. And I'm not sure if your freshman advisor even is usually in the major you're trying to major nope. in. So like a lot of times they're they're advising you on classes in departments that they're not in and have no context on. And so I know like a lot of my friends have found um, them to be not very useful. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's difficult to make upperclassmen friends, particularly if you're a new frosh here and you're not in like student groups that have upperclassmen. Um, but yeah, go out your way and see if you can make some upperclassmen friends because they're very useful. Yeah, and again, a way to do that, do clubs, join mm -hmm. my club. The, the amount of nuggets that were given on this little, this again, very, very good resource. People always ask me, what is the target audience for this podcast? <laughs> Initially, well, obviously, current students, current college students, but I do think it would be very helpful for incoming college students also. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, for sure. How do I get it to them? I don't fucking know. I've been trying to grow it. Who knows? It's hard. I don't, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to help it expand, but we'll keep trying. We'll never give up. Mm -hmm. As I say, that was like four of my podcasts left. But no. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I, I agree. I don't think the faculty advisors are that helpful. Mine was in a much different i think mine was like a mole bio professor and i was mm -hmm. like i don't what what are you gonna help me with neuroscience yeah i came in cbe what are you gonna help me with that about nothing so yeah i yeah i feel like it's a very random process where it's like oh you're a stem major get a stem advisor yeah and so i don't until i've had until i got my advisor for my thesis shout out jesse gomez the goat mm -hmm. he's amazing there hasn't really like no other previous assigned faculty mm -hmm. was that helpful and then obviously there's the connections that you make yourself and then those will obviously be helpful but yeah a few a few things that probably could be could be done a little bit better yeah at princeton i think the problem with the faculty advisors mostly is that they don't really know what it's like to be a student like and also the thing is that with all the princeton faculty like all of them are like geniuses and so i think um when i've had professors who are really smart i found that it's pretty hard for them to comprehend like why a student would be struggling on a certain topic or like why you know this is an excessive amount of work that they're giving for a class and so there's a little bit of a disconnect there i think with the faculty advisors or just the faculty in general and the students but um yeah something that you have to bridge so speaking of faculty being geniuses does that mean your dad is a genius also because <laughs> your dad is a professor here <laughs> yeah i mean i think my dad is probably one of the smartest people that i know in my life like really um he like if I ask him anything, he'll probably know the answer to it. Like it's incredible. Um, yeah, he's just like super hardworking. He loves his work, and he's like he he just knows everything. Like that man is actually a genius. And how has your dad being a professor here affected your experience here at all in any way? No, I don't think so. Not really. I mean, um, like like you're saying, like because my brother went here, and I guess because my dad is a faculty, I'm a little more plugged into what it's like to be a student at Princeton, and I have like some additional resources that are pretty helpful at times. But my dad's in a different department than I'm majoring in. Like, I never take a class that he's teaching or anything like that. And also, he's just in his office all day, so it's not <laughs> like I really see him ever around campus. Of course, like. Um, it's nice because I can get dinners with um, my dad and because I'm from nearby like you are, like my family. And so that's a little different. Like I don't really get um, like homesick or anything like that. Um, and I also think it's a good combination because my parents are the type to like kind of leave me alone and have my freedom if I'm not um, like trying to reach out to them all the time and stuff like that. Like they're not hanging over me, which is something that I love about them. Um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't say it's really made my Princeton experience that much different. And speaking of your mom, I would just like to say she has taken all my favorite sports pictures <laughs> in literally my entire history. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite basketball pictures and just actually yeah, basketball and soccer, your mom has taken some mm -hmm. of the best action shots yeah. that I have. So shout out to her for that. And then also kind of because you just talked about this a little bit. We live so close by. Um it was something that I didn't necessarily love. Right. Has its pros and cons. I would like to be a little bit further away. And you just kind of touched on it a little bit that your parents will give you your space. But overall, how would you say you like living 10 minutes away from where you go to go to school? Right. So like, like you're saying, it totally depends on the dynamic that you have with your parents. Like, I mean, I could totally see in a different universe, like my parents are constantly hanging over me, like constantly checking up on me at times when I wouldn't <clears> want them to or like just feel like I'm living in my parents' backyard, um, but they don't, and so that's great. Um, there is like an added convenience factor, like, oh, mom, I have COVID, please <laughs> give me some food or something <laughs> so I don't have to eat the isolation food. Like, of course, that's a benefit, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and other stuff like you know it's easy to move in and out of my dorm and yeah. take multiple trips whatever these are just like minor convenience ads um and i mean it's hard to say because i don't know what it's like to live really far from home i know a lot of people who are really close with their family feel disconnected and that's sort of jarring for them when they go to college at first so i mean i don't really have a point of reference on that but um yeah, I mean, I'd like to be a little farther away. Maybe like an hour away would be nice. Like not 10, 15 minutes. That's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I don't mind it really. But even to both things that you spoke about, the minor conveniences, I've also experienced. Cause I remember first small one was, um, I remember the first time I got sick. The first time you get sick in college is a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Like what is going on here? My mom's not upstairs. Yeah, so I come yeah. take care of me. Yeah. So I remember I got sick and my mo- she literally like brought me tea. Because oh, wow. she looked, like drove ten minutes to bring me tea, I was like, "Oh, thank you." Yeah. And then I remember when it's it got cold faster than I expected, and so I hadn't packed any. That's another thing, like packing for college for the first time. I'm like, "What do I need?" Didn't bring any type of jackets at all. Mm-hmm. So the it got cold, and my again mom drove like five ten minutes to bring me jackets. And one of my friends who lives in California, she's like, "Oh yeah, my mom just shipped my jackets." I was like, "What do you mean she shipped the jackets?" <laughs> so yeah, little things that we don't have to we don't have to do because we live so close. So yeah, mm-hmm. there are the minor conveniences. But then there are also the minor inconveniences, um, bumping into people that you don't necessarily want to. Mm. I just not that I don't want to. No, I bumped into someone that literally two days ago, like indifferent, but like I, I was like, okay, high school. Yeah, mm. he was literally right in front of Ivy. He had just parked someone we went to high school with. Yeah. I was like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I don't know. It's it's not great. Bumped into my ex and her mom around oh. this time last year. I was like, do I need this interaction right now? No, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. So yeah, it, it it is what is it is at this point. And because we've always lived so close. To to Princeton would you say that you have appreciated having the number one university in the country in your backyard because I know it was something that I never did and I didn't even I actually didn't even want to come here mm. well I think uh to a lot of people I think Princeton has like this mysterious air of like oh this is like such an elite academic institution or like all of that but really because I grew up so close to here it's like oh it's Princeton, it's just like, Princeton. It's just Princeton. I agree it's like, just it's just Princeton yeah exactly <laughs> So, I mean, uh, in that sense, maybe I wasn't, like, wowed when I came here or anything like that. It's not like, oh, this is the first time I'm seeing these crazy architectural buildings that look so old. We've been coming to Nassau Street for years. For years. (laughs) So, I mean, there's not really that aspect of novelty. But then, um, I mean, I still, I mean, I loved it here. Like, of course, Princeton's a great place. um, And I wouldn't say that I don't appreciate being here now because I grew up near here. Yeah. yeah, and I I agree in the sense that there the novelty wasn't there because we've lived so close by. Mm-hmm. People literally have been sneaking into reunions for mm-hmm. as long as I can remember. Yeah. People come to hang out at the stadiums. Um, but I do appreciate that there is a little. It's it's definitely a different. It's a different environment. There's no. If you just live in the area, you don't know Princeton like you do if you go here, which mm-hmm. is something that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, yeah, that's honestly, that's the simplest it is. There's so much more to it when you're a student than just when you live in the area. And I mm-hmm. like that there has been a lot more to unlock and just see mm-hmm. because we, yeah, because sure. we are students. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what else are we going to ask? Honestly, we've already done 53 minutes. We could go right ahead to the music segment. I bet you didn't think we'd done 53 minutes. Okay. That went by so fast, didn't yeah, it? Wow, yeah, wow, it did. There you oh, Love that. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, <laughs> everyone always has the exact same reaction. Oh, no, before we do that, March Madness predictions, go. Oh. And I know you said you didn't make a bracket, but I don't care. Who do <laughs> well, you think I'm rooting win? for the St. Peter's Peacocks now, of course. After they just beat Kentucky? Yeah, of yes, course. Sir. Uh, why would I not root for a team <laughs> like this tiny school in New Jersey that just upset Kentucky? So, yeah. My God. I mean, like, have you heard of that school before this break? I actually have heard of St. Peter's. I think, um, pretty sure a guy from Notre Dame went to play there. Oh, okay. Who, who was a senior or sophomore. Yeah, I forget okay. his name, but yeah. So I actually okay. heard of him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first time for me, that's for sure. <laughs> and also, shout out Isaiah Wong, who's crushing it at Miami. Oh, really? Michael, he is, like, one of their best players. A guy oh. we played against in high school. Um, actually... This I have a little scar on my knee that he gave to me because mm. I stole the ball from him. Okay, you know, no big deal. Stole okay. the ball yeah, from when him. He's big time in the NBA. Oh, no. you tell your kids about it. Oh yeah, exactly. Another year. Stole the ball from him. Was going up for a layup. I swore I was the only one on that side of the court. Blocked me out of nowhere. <laughs> fucking landed on my knee and scraped the shit on my knee. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll never forget that. Got the <laughs> got the scar to remember. But yeah, he's crushing it. So rooting for Miami. Such mm. a shame that oh, the Princeton men were so close. Yeah, they were so so close. Oh, my God. That was. Oh, 
that was a tough loss. Yeah, heartbreaking. Um, heartbreaking loss. Um, so I, I was gonna say I'm gonna root for Yale because I I want to see the Ivy League go far, but not fucking. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm fuck not yeah. rooting for Yale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then on the woman's side, definitely want to see Princeton go all the way because love them. They're mm. great. But on the men's side, I think whoever makes it out of the West Division, which is where Gonzaga and Duke are, mm-hmm. whoever wins that matchup, yeah. if they both make it to the Elite Eight and makes it to the Final Four, I think whoever wins that. Mm-hmm. Wins it all. That's a pretty reasonable prediction. Yeah. So what's what's your reasonable prediction? Because St. Peter's aren't, we aren't winning the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'll probably say Duke, to be honest, because I think Duke is always, uh, they have that experience. And so um, you can never bet against Duke, I think. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Fair, fair. Okay, now song uh, identity segment. Is that a good name? Song identity segment? We don't have a name for this segment. Mm-hmm. Maybe so, something a little more catchy. That we've been trying, Keith. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so as always, I suggest to come with five songs that mm-hmm. describe who they as a person. I leave it up to interpretation. A bunch of people have done it a bunch of different ways, and so Keith Register, it is your turn. Song number one. Sure. Uh, so this is pretty tough. I don't know. I didn't really know what to pick. Um, the first song I picked was "Do What I Want" by Lil Uzi. Great song. Because. Um, I do what I want a lot of the time. Nice. You know, <laughs> I think a lot of people at prison have like a lot of external commitments that they don't really want to do. And I think I've done a pretty good job of shedding a lot of that. And so most of my day um, is spent doing whatever I want. Um, and so that's something I love about my time here at Princeton. Love that. Song number two. Um, kind of in a similar vein, I picked Self Care by Mac Miller. Um, Great I, song. I just love this song. Um, and I think that... Self-care is something that I've been trying to practice more and more. Um, and, you know, when you're doing what you want, what you want, you are taking care of yourself. And so pretty similar vein on that one. Um, the third song I picked was uh, Drive Slow by Kanye. On um, So this song's like about taking it slow and not trying to... Good song. Yeah, great song. Like the song is about not growing up too fast in your childhood and like trying to take it slow and enjoy the moment. And so... That's something that I identify with. Like, I'm really trying to make the most of what I have here left at Princeton now that it's just a few weeks left. Um, that is insane. So, yeah, I think that's a song that I could relate to a lot. Did you watch the documentary? I Netflix? did. I did. Great that's amazing. They had some crazy footage in there. Yeah. Very, very, very cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, fourth song I picked was Same Drugs by Chance the Rapper. Um, I picked this song because, like, this song is about how Chance, like, falls out with a girl from his childhood because they, like, interests diverge or, like, they're just not doing the same things. Um, and I picked this one because I think that, me in particular, I'm pretty bad at actively maintaining friendships that I have, particularly over COVID. Like, I think a lot of my friendships I kind of just let fall to the wayside. Um, and so that's why I picked this song. Um, also, you know, of course, it's an amazing song. It is. But maybe use this as an opportunity to try to rekindle some of those mm, relationships. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. That sounds like a no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for my last song, uh, this is like one of my favorite songs of all time. This is 20-something by SZA. Um, that's the only song you said that I don't know. What's it called? 20-something. 20-something. Um but this song, I think, is pretty relevant to all of us, I guess, because this is a song about SZA worrying about how her 20s are going to play out, and uh, she's worried about, like, losing her friends and figuring out her love life, and, uh, you know, the whole, I mean, your the landscape of your life totally changes in your 20s because it's a pretty transformative period in your life, and that's something that we're about to go through, and so I think this is an amazing song um, that's relates pretty heavily to us damn you're right you just made me like reflect on my whole not reflect like try to scan ahead for the next 10 years Mm -hmm. in one moment because you're you think about it 10 years from now married kids who like that is Mm -hmm. the next 10 years of our lives very very transformational very pivotal very significant Mm -hmm. time that we're gonna have in the next 10 years so that is that is crazy and that is something that i've been thinking about lately because again like you just said it's our last we have more than a few weeks, like probably a month and a half to two months left. Yeah. Um, and just thinking about all the relationships that I have here, which of them are going to last long term, which of them aren't, mm. just seeing if things are what you think they are, because I think time will really tell. And so that's just been something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll go listen to 20-something and just, again, 
think, think more about life and yeah. all that fun stuff. Listen to more SZA. She's amazing. <laughs> I actually love SZA. I've listened to this whole Control album. I just must have missed this song. Yeah, yeah it's I've the listened. last song in the album. Oh, okay, yeah, this is a great album. Um, Okay, and now to the Tiger Confession segment, which I will say, every time I bring it up, I have to say, the quality of the confessions significantly dwindled. They used to be so good. Mm-hmm. I could find so many good stuff on there, but now I struggle to find anything to talk about. Mm-hmm. But first one, it says... And I picked this because you're a coast major. It says, I regret majoring in computer science, <laughs> but it's too late for me to switch now. I picked it because at the time it seemed like the easiest option over things like engineering and other sciences. What can I do, if anything, to be less miserable staring at a screen all day? <laughs> well, if you don't want to look at a screen all day, probably don't major in computer science, <laughs> I would say. Um, I don't did they say it's like too late to switch out? They I mean, that, you're screwed then. I mean, <laughs> you shouldn't have majored in computer science if you don't want to look at a screwed. screen. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure they're kind of really joking. Like, I mean, people don't really mind looking at the screen. I'm sure like the curriculum is what's giving them the stress and suffering. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about it. Like, try to take advantage of uh, the resources that Princeton has available to you. Also, make friends in your computer science classes. Like, there are many... Uh, Lonely nerds in the computer science <laughs> classes who would love someone to talk to and talk about their assignments with um, within the bounds of the honor code, of course. Um, yes. But yeah. Yes, always. And I can't speak specifically to computer science because I'm not a coast major, but I could speak to being into deep in a major and it being too late for you to switch because that's what happened. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you just got to say F it and just like see it through yeah. kind of like you find people in the major that will make the experience more pleasurable mm-hmm. which i think i've been able to do and realize that you'll be done with it sooner than you think mm-hmm. um and that's yeah that. it'll fly by man yeah it boy does it fly by yeah. like i feel like an old head right now like, <laughs> <laughs> in my last few months just yeah. reminiscing on my college experience as, a, as i'm about to move into the real world mm-hmm. um but okay and second one it says I don't know, that's the wrong one. Where'd it go? Oh, it says, if high school seniors got access to Tiger Confessions, I bet the number of Princeton applica- applicants would drop significantly. <laughs> Not a question. What are your thoughts? Um, Sure, Tiger Confessions uh, exposes a side of Princeton that maybe Princeton doesn't want people to see a lot, like mental health of students here, like the really difficult workload that it can be at times. Um, but... I think if you go to any really good school, you're going to get some of that. Like, I mean, people love to complain. Of course, on any anonymous forum, it's going to be mostly complaints. Like, no one's going to go on an anonymous forum and be like, oh, this is, like, amazing. I mean, maybe some people will. But, like, really, I don't browse Tiger Confessions much anymore because I find that it's, like, a pretty big cesspool of negativity and one thousand percent i hate looking at it but i only do because of this segment on the show yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so i mean i say it's biased towards that um yeah maybe they're right that it would scare some people off for sure but yeah i agree with two things you said one any school you go to any honestly any school not even top school any college you go to any high school you go to if there is some tiger confessions equivalent you'll get the same type of content on here that's just a bunch of negativity complaining about stuff Mm -hmm. but then another thing that i always wonder is i don't know how representative of tiger confession or princeton tiger confessions is like i don't know any of my friends who are out here constantly posting and commenting on tiger confessions Mm -hmm. so i do think is this represents a small pocket of the school who make all the confessions it's five certainly five people who do all the commenting on it. <laughs> that is that is for sure yeah and so yeah i i take it with a grain of salt because i don't necessarily think it's representative of princeton as a whole but then also real quick before we end speaking of anonymous confession sites remember ask fm no you don't remember ask fm no. You never, oh, was that when we were like in middle school? That was middle school. Oh my yes. god. Yes. Yeah. Now, okay, vaguely, but I mean, I never had a uh, Ask FM. I don't smart think I man. Even had a smartphone back then. Oh, okay, smart man. But Ask FM, boy, oh boy. For anyone who doesn't know, it was an anonymous posting right. site, <clears throat> right? Where everyone would have an account, right. and you could anonymously post questions on people's right. accounts. And just think about this middle schoolers yeah. anonymous posting what does that seem like a recipe for 
bullying disaster. which is recipe for disaster which is all that happened on that side mm-hmm. and one thing you could like i said you could either make the uh the question an- anonymous or you could put your name next to it mm-hmm. i remember a few times where people would post some mean shit on people's pages <laughs> and forget to make the question <laughs> anonymous and then the next day in school i was like oh, oh shit what's about to happen oh my god but no ask fm was an insane time i things like that i don't know why they exist except to make middle schoolers hate themselves because yeah. I remember I got one mean confession one time and the way it like ruined my day for like a long time yeah, yeah, and I went yeah. to school the next day like looking at everyone sideways like who did this yeah, yeah. so yeah just <laughs> anonymous confession sides there's recipe for disaster yeah um but okay with that we've done an hour and five minutes was that as horrible as you thought it no, would be? No, no, it was amazing. It was just a regular conversation. Exactly. I try to tell you that. God, I had to beg this man to come on the <laughs> podcast. But thank you for coming on, Keith. Do you have any final words for the people? Oh, man, I didn't prepare any final statements. Um, should I quite, Should I ask people to prep that ahead of time? Or do you think it's more it's better when i just like ask because i ask every time do you have any final words some oh, people have maybe passed. you should maybe you should tell them that they get a do a little promo at the end if they want okay. i have nothing to promote or anything like that um yep i have no final words <laughs> i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> that is your final words his final words are he's not gonna say anything as for me i think this is another great episode a lot of good nuggets in here mm-hmm. gotta figure out a way to promote this to the youth the mm-hmm. use of the world. Yeah, my final words are thank you for having me on the podcast, Flow. Thank you for coming on, Keith. Beautiful place to end. This has been another episode of Go With The Flow. Thank you for listening.